You are listening to a podcast from West Hill United Church located in Scarborough, Ontario, Canada. These podcasts are made possible by the generous support of our listeners, volunteers, and members of our community. To donate, go to our website, www.westhill.net, and click on the Canada Helps button, or go to www.westhill.net forward slash donate. Good morning. Hi, my name is Wei Zhao. It's my pleasure and a privilege to be here as the reader today. And, um, well, the CNE is on and uh, many people are still at the cottage, but it's wonderful to see all of you. So on behalf of, of all of us, I want to say, Good to see you. Um, Before we begin, I would like to say this. We wish to acknowledge that we are on the traditional territory of the Mississaugas of the New Credit First Nations lands, which lands were previously occupied by the Seneca and Huron-Windat First Nations. The focus this morning, with the music all uh, near the end of the service, the focus this morning is, a, is sort of a wrap-up of the last three Sundays' message. Um, and it was linking our grounded-in-life, guided-by-love-and-growing-in-wisdom with uh, basic mental health principles um, that, that are in any literature, in any, any discipline, of, of a sense of one's identity and a sense of one's belonging and a sense of one's impact or influence in life. They're core to, to our, our mental health balance, our, our emotional health, spiritual health. And so I've been linking them together in the messages. And, and I'm bringing today something from my, my former world of church, uh, which was an emphasis on... on um, it's the next slide, I think. Peter, next slide. No, I'm sorry. So go back. Oh, my my mistake. I didn't put it there. Can I just say as a bracket, it's an amazing team back there. An amazing team that that is faithful and loyal and competent and and flexible, which is a quality I need in an AV team. Obviously, just demonstrated that. That's why I did that was to demonstrate that little. <laughs> Anyway, my, my always thanks to, to them. Uh, was that uh, There's a, a verse in, a, in the uh, Hebrew Scriptures that talks about meditating on the words of, of God all day long. 
which is a bit onerous for, for many, but the idea of, of contemplating a truth or contemplating a piece of wisdom, not just reading a saying that comes across the internet and say that's, that's good and going on, but spending some time with it and letting it sink in and do something here. That's how we're going to focus today's, today's ideas. And so, um, I, like I say, I've put the songs toward the end, but... Um, but what, what we're gonna, how we're going to use the songs is not just singing them, not that we do that, but to really meditate on those words together and go out with a changed us. So. There are three readings today. The first one is from John Tyndall. He was a prominent 19th century Irish physicist. His initial scientific fame arose in the 1850s from his study of diamagnetism. Later, he made discoveries in the realms of infrared radiation and the physical properties of air, proving the connection between atmospheric carbon dioxide and what we now know as the greenhouse effect back in 1859. We have just one sentence from him today. Knowledge once gained casts a light beyond its own immediate boundaries. The second reading is from John Shelby Spong. A retired bishop of the Episcopal Church from 1979 to 2000, he was the bishop of Newark, New Jersey. A liberal Christian theologian, religion commentator, and author, he calls for the fundamental rethinking of Christian belief away from theism and traditional doctrines. As many of you know, he is a staunch supporter of the work of our own Greta Vosper and West Hill United Church. And he says this, I am a child of the 21st century. I live on the other side of Copernicus and Galileo. I cannot possibly conceive of my planet Earth as the center of a three-tiered universe with heaven above, hell below, and earth in the middle. Further, the Bible interprets life from its particular perspective. It does not record in a factual way the human journey through history. The history is not going to survive if they are going to tell people that they have to twist their minds into first-century pretzels. All religion seems to need to prove that it's the only truth. When I grew up in the South, I was taught that segregation was the will of God, and the Bible, and the Bible was quoted to prove it. I was taught that women were by nature inferior to men, and the Bible was quoted to prove it. I was taught that it was okay to hate other religions, 
and especially the Jews, and the Bible was quoted to prove it. It appears to be in the nature of religion itself to be prejudiced against those who are different. My basis of morality is this. Does this action enhance life, or does it denigrate it? Does it build up, or does it tear down? The last reading is from Henry Wadsworth's Longfellow, 1807 to 1882, American poet and educator. Perseverance is a great element of success. If you only knock long enough and loud enough at a gate, you're sure to wake up somebody. (laughs) I apologize, I was a little bit not with it this morning because I was expecting a visitor. I was hoping that he would come for a visit today. I met him a couple of weeks ago. And uh, I'm afraid he's not here. But I wanted to say that in light of the readings, his visit would have been uh, really, you know, uh, wonderful, enhanced our understanding of things. He was um, originally from Bangladesh um, and is now a citizen of Canada via China and Malaysia. Um, Besides his regular work, he writes a blog in Bengali, publishes every uh, every week, in which he focuses on science, um, puts a scientific lens on the holy book, of his former religion. So I maybe someday you will meet him. There's perspective, so it's you too. Now, I first want to say, if there's someone here that doesn't generally sing with us, some of the, the we're going to use some music, but the point of it today is is contemplating the meaning of the words. So I welcome you into that. If you can't sing along because you don't know the song, or if you're someone who sings along even when you don't know the song, it's more the words that we're looking at today uh, to think through. Uh, Again, Peter, thank you. There's going to be a lot of slides changing here. Uh, Life on the web, of course, now means something very different than it did. I was just telling Peter that when I started at the region of Durham, I had my own office, and that was in 1989, and in it, 
I had a telephone and a typewriter. That was it. And that was normal back then. The changes that have happened since then. But life on the web now means something different. But what I mean by it, of course, is life, uh, life on the web of life. The, the whole, as we've talked about so many times. And the next slide just has a, a summary of that. We've done it many times. That, that we've chosen to ground ourselves in the fact of that web. Not anybody else's interpretation, just the fact of that web. We welcome the inter- interpretations, but we're grounding it on that simple fact that we are all alive on this amazing interconnected web. And as a group, we keep asking ourselves, how shall we live on that web? And we keep trying to insert the idea of love there so we live lovingly. And Half the time I don't know how to do that, so I need the wisdom that's been in the readings, in the, in the, in the vast wisdom of humanity, uh, and you. And, and so we grow in wisdom. The next slide, just reviewing what we've been talking about, um, it, it, it parallels very nicely with, with human psychosocial needs. And again, again, just to review the, the sense of who am I? What am I? What, what am, what is this thing that is me? And, and where do I belong? Who do I, what, what's my, what are my connections? And then what, what, why do I matter? What, what influence do I have on that? And, and that web of life answers all three of those questions really solidly. And that's what we've been looking at. Now the next slide, I believe, uh, is to Peter. Uh, you can read it. I just put it there so that he would know that I know. So I am now moving to another slideshow that I prepared. It, there were so many slides, it wouldn't let me put it on the ordinary one. So I, I sent Peter, Actually, I sent Peter and everyone in Florence and Babette, I sent them the slideshow last night. And then I sent them the next one, which is correcting the one I just sent them. And this time I sent a third one, which was correcting the second one, and, and finally got here and then made a correction at the back. So, so that's it. So I wanted to introduce you to a, a person, you may, may, may know this fellow. Matthew Arnold was a poet uh, uh, and wrote many, many things. But one of the, the, po- the poems that he read that has had a huge influence on, on uh, progressive, I don't like that word, continuingly critical analysis of things we take for granted. And the poem is called Dover Beach. You're familiar with, with that. So there's, that's Dover Beach. How many of you have stood on the, the cliffs of Dover? Greta stood closer to the edge than I did. <laughs> Petrified of heights. But it's quite a, an amazing sight, the, these cliffs. And he wrote this, and, and, and the next slide, I'm going to read you the, the first part of the poem that Matthew Arnold wrote, and then tell you why, why we're looking at it. The Sea of Faith was once too at the full, and round earth's shore lay like the folds of a bright girdle furled. But now I only hear its melancholy, long, withdrawing roar, retreating to the breath of the night wind down the vast edges drear and naked shingles of the world. It's a very powerful poem. What he's trying to do there, I don't understand poetry until someone explains it to me. So someone has explained it to me that it's talking about about the way things were. The little world I grew up in, maybe you grew up in, maybe you didn't, maybe it was very different, but that world that was familiar is no longer. Things have changed so rapidly. And it could have been written at any time in history, quite frankly. It certainly pertains now. And and a certain a certain scholar, uh, and his picture is the next slide, uh, named Don Cupid, 
And, that, and, there, and I'm just going to focus a little on this man. You may have heard of him, you may not have. His, his work has been singularly um, powerful in my thinking through changing ideas of what is true and what is right and what is good. Uh, and, and he's an example of, and, and the reading was from Jack Spong. Uh, you're familiar with his, his words, his work, uh, why, the, why Christianity Must Change or Die, or Rescuing the Bible from Fundamentalism. And he saw a lot of what he had grown up in receding, and he had to find a new way of interpreting things. Now, I've said to Jack, you know, you're, you're rather conservative, really. He, 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 from a certain perspective, he's rather conservative, and I tease him about that because he still hangs on to some idea of language of God, and I don't. But we, we're actually talking about the same thing. It's a language thing with him. But Don Cupid um, had to let go or decided to let go of everything that he thought before in a great experiment. Now, the next picture shows where he, where he worked. He worked at the University of Cambridge. Um, and uh, he, he was a don, he was a, he was, he, 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 a dean, and, and worked there. And, and he started writing books. And the next slide shows two of his books, Christ and the Hiddenness of God and The Crisis of Moral Authority. And the dates I, I put there... Yeah, are in the 70s. And he, he started exploring. He says, what if that's not... Where did that come from? Who's saying that's true? Who, wh- what voices are saying this is the way we have to think of things? And what voices are we not listening to? And maybe I'll listen to some of those voices. And so he started listening to the critique of the way that Cambridge Anglican theology was done. And he watched, like the sea of faith, he watched things recede and disappear. And it came to the point... Now, when I'm talking about his life, I'm not saying that you should be there and think that way. I'm talking about somebody who watched things disappear that he thought he knew and counted on, and he had to then reconstruct something meaningful for himself. So you can apply that to anything in your life that you thought was solid, and then it disappeared, and you had to reconstruct your meaning anew, and where do you find the stuff when the stuff you thought was real isn't there? And so this man did it in a very, very extensive way, and I, and I appreciate it immensely. But we want to talk about the, the losses and the gains with that. So in 1972, he wrote The Crisis of Moral Authority, because he's thinking, well, where do we get our morality from? If, it, if it's from certain books, it would not let the fire station fly the flag, the colored flag, and say, everybody, if we're going with a certain book, a couple of books, actually. Would, 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 so where do we get our morality from? And he came to a conclusion, and it certainly might not be your conclusion, but it was his conclusion, and he wrote the next book and the next slide, which hit the world of theology like a storm. And the book is called Taking Leave of God. Again, I'm not saying you have to. Of course I'm not saying that. But I'm saying he came to that position where he had to let go of an idea that blocked his conscience about morality. So he, t- he, t- he wrote the book, and of course, uh, the next one shows, a, I think, a different cover with the, with the picture, the classic picture of the hand of God coming down, um, and, and there's no Don Cupid's hand coming up to it, right? So that's a, there's, a, there's a great picture I've got in my life of it reversed. 
that, <laughs> that we've created an image of God and so it does the other way around. Um, and again, I am not, I, again, this is, this is tricky. I'm taking a risk here in talking this way. I, I, you can come to me after and say, you eclipsed my belief and I found it difficult. Please do that. If you, if you, if you wish, I would help, help me if, if you did. I'm talking about this person's uh, journey on, along those lines. So, as soon as he wrote this, of course, there was a backlash, a great big response from theology that wanted to hang on to certain things. An example of that is the 1982 book, Holding Fast to God, by Keith Ward, who is still writing, um, uh, to, to keep, no, we can keep this, we can keep this. And Cupid kept saying, uh, based on what? Based on what? And that's a huge question to ask in your life. A way you have thought about segregation for, for Spong. Well, that's wrong. We, 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 it's right to segregate. What is that base? Where did that come from? Looking under, where did that come from? Did it come from my family? Was my father Archie Bunker? And that, so I think this way because I was raised that way? Like, where, where did it come from? And so, so the, the literature kept going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Then Don Cupid um, entered the, 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 the television world and he created a series that was uh, put on the BBC. Some of the pieces are on, on YouTube now. And the next one is this, and he called it the Sea of Faith after that, that poem of, of Matthew Arnold's that said that what I thought was real has receded and now I'm, 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 I'm in despair. What do I do? What do? And so it was a, it was a, a six-part series splendidly done, really professionally done. The first next slide shows uh, chapter one, and he, he went right through the history of thought, Galileo and Descartes and Pascal. And then, I didn't put them all on, but the next one is, is the sixth, the, the final one, uh, with Nietzsche and, and Wittgenstein. Nietzsche, of course, dealing with the whole idea of nihilism with, well, if the whole sea is receding and we got nothing, we got nothing. So how can anything mean anything? And then there's, what, what do we do with that? And then Wittgenstein comes up with, well, he changed his, his thinking radically in the middle, but his later thinking was, well, it's all, it's all, what the, it's all language. It's all the language we use. So there's all sorts of confusions in that. So then, in the next slide, he wrote the book called The Sea of Faith. He wrote the book called The Sea of Faith. And it came out in all those editions. And I don't know if you can see that very clearly, but there's different covers for the book. It was quite well, well known. Um, and, that, and the book uh, lifted up that idea is, w- let's find out what we've got now that these things have disappeared. Of course, there was lots of, uh, of, of backlash again. The next slide says, well, you're talking about the Sea of Faith retreating. And this book came out and said, the ocean of truth. And it was another uh, a, a rendition of, we know these things because our tradition says this, or our, this book says this. So there's always back and forth, back and forth. Uh, the next slide uh, it was a book. I've got, the, I've got all these books, and I didn't bring them. I, I, I brought books every week to show, and I've got all of these books, um, and I forgot them at home. But the book, Atheist Priest, Don Cupid and Christianity, um, Don never actually claimed the title atheist, and uh, we had the privilege of meeting him in Cambridge. Uh, we, we spent some time in, in his office, and then we went out for dinner the next night with, with him, his wife and him. Does this sound awkward with his wife and him? But it's true. Object of the preposition, right? Yeah. Um, and and he, and he said, you know, I, I just didn't want to grab a new label. Didn't want to grab a new label. Uh, I'm a human being. 
that thinks this way now, and I like that. There was it was the uh, so so now he's let go of of traditional beliefs totally. And I go back to the to the to the screen. I won't read it, but the next one. There's that poem again. The sea of faith has receded, and and and. And, and now you're left with the naked shingles of the world. What, what do we got to build with? So the next slide is, the poem goes on. And it says, uh, yes, our love, which could be anybody, our love, let us be true to one another. For the world which seems to be before us like a land of dreams, so various, so beautiful, so new, hath really neither joy, nor love, nor light, nor certitude, nor peace, nor help for pain. And we are here as on a darkling plain, swept with confused alarms of struggle and fight, where ignorant armies clash by night. That doesn't sound very hopeful, does it? Not at all, but that's the poem. That's where, that's where Matthew Arnold, we're not with Matthew Arnold, but the first part of that is saying, and I, I think that's got a, 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 a really good, our love, let us be true to one another, which has to be everyone on the web of life, not just the group here, or your family, or your tribe, or your whatever. Let us be true to one another. Because we don't have a definitive, authoritative thing telling us what to do. Now, if you believe we do, I am not rupturing that. I'm saying this was Don's journey himself, right? Have I, have I given enough caveats with that for you to understand what I'm doing? So, uh, another poet grabbed a hold of the Dover Beach poem and he added to it. So, William Butler Yeats said, added, through, no, sorry, though the great song return no more, there's keen delight in what we have, the rattle of pebbles on the shore under the receding wave. Well, let's work with what we've got, said Yeats, because there is things in there worth working on. So the next picture shows Don thinking. I thought that was a good picture of Don thinking. Because you guys think, well, okay, we could do a Nietzsche nihilism, there's no meaning, there's nothing, there's, you know, whatever, because how do we put... And so he had to put together his thoughts. And um, a, a very cool author named Nigel Leaves, who died very young not long ago, uh, wrote two books, the next slide, um, about Don Cupid's thinking, about his work. And the first one was called Odyssey on the Sea of Faith. So Don's saying, okay, I'm going to write on this and find some meaning. And the next one was Surfing on the Sea of Faith. They're like, you know, and that was about his ethics, which was amazing. So he put these two. And what Don had to deal with was the next slide, which, and this is a quote from him, capital T truth is dead. Capital T truth is dead. Which, by which he meant, we, we, we can't have somebody say, this and only this, as in the reading, is the truth, and yours is not. So we need to keep the capital letter off and have the discussion. So he, he, he struggled. The next slide, I put the word meaning with a question mark. He struggled to find what can mean something when that sea of faith is retreated. The first book he wrote on that was called After God. And again, this is his journey. After God, what is meaningful? The next book, which was a tremendously difficult book to read, Emptiness and Brightness. Empty. So he's finding an emptiness and a loss of what he thought before, but a brightness in what he was discovering. Chewy book, really chewy book. Nice cover, but chewy book. And and you ever have read those books where you, 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 you grapple with a paragraph and you say, okay, I got it, that's profound. I don't know what it means, but it sounds very profound, and I should know this. This would affect my life positively, so I'm going to chew at it again. And I'll phone someone up and say, do you understand this? And we chew it away. 
Um, and, then, and then he slowly began the next book, A New Great Story. Uh, Loyal Rue is, a, is a, a religious naturalist who, who said we have, to, we have to replace the noble lie that's been told to people with a noble truth. A noble, well, he actually called it another noble lie, but I'd like to say a noble truth. So, so, so Don struggled and struggled and struggled. And the next slide says, is a book, The Meaning of It All in Everyday Speech. It's, a, it's an easier book to understand. The meaning of it all in everyday speech. And what he discovered was, it's already here. It's already in the human family what we need to build with. But it doesn't have to have been from one tradition or one religion or one background or one person or one book. But it's already here. So now I'm just going to pull together his books I forgot, um, on the theme we were working with. So, so Don Cupid struggles, having let go of everything, for identity. The first one, we, the first topic. What, what is the sense of self? And he wrote four books that I think started to inform that. First, he had to deal with Above Us, Only Sky. What's that from? That's right. Uh, oh, for crying out loud. One of the Beatles named John Lennon. There we go. <laughs> yes. Above us on the sky. And you see the, the Chinese symbol there. Um, uh, many of his books were gobbled up in China. Gobbled up, which is very cool. And then life, life up there. Life, life. That's where he started looking for the, for the, for the and you can see the theme we've picked up in West Hill, that he found the meaning in life about life. He found meaning in, meaningfulness in life. The next book was the, redemp- the revelation of being, of, of being alive. And all based on his, his conclusion that we are only human. Have you used that in your relationships? <laughs> I have lately. I'm only human. <laughs> it doesn't work. Because uh, <laughs> it was already known. You know, that was the problem. <laughs> so so, so he, found, he looked for identity in life itself. And that's what we've been working with at West Hill so much, to find your identity as a member of the web of life, a, member, a, a bona fide member of the web of life. The, the idea of belonging. So belonging. So, so here's a quote from Don. Nothing out there tells us how we must live. We and we alone can now with confidence knowingly trust our own hearts and admit that we do and must invent our own ethics. What he means by invent is not take it on someone else's authority, but work it out in life together, which is a big, big calling. And not everyone agrees with that. Some people agree that this book tells us what ethics should be with its exclusions and inclusions in it. And he's saying, let's work it out together. So the book, his, his, his fabulous book, um, the belonging book, next one, called Solar Ethics. Solar ethics. And what he was saying there was, he used the example of the sun, which just keeps, I mean, this is a metaphor, um, uh, just keeps giving and giving and giving and giving and giving. It, does, it, just, all, it just comes and comes and comes. And the sense of belonging, um, he, he, that to, to, to have ethics be that way, that we don't run out of care 
because we belong to this web of life. We are part of it. And, 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 and not just the humans, but the whole thing. So that solar ethics was his idea of belonging. And then his next idea, when we talk about influence, this book that I took a long time to figure out what the picture was on the cover. Are you taking a... It's a fountain. But I couldn't see it as a fountain for a long time. It... it, it it looked, I thought it was like a dragon or something, but it's a fountain. Maybe it's a fountain in the shape of a dragon. But it, that was his idea of influence, is the fountain. It's the same as the, the solar. And the next picture is the solar living. That's where he came to. Now, when we met him, he still had an office in Cambridge. He's really um, quite uh, hampered. He's in, in, he's in a, a, a motorized scooter. But he, the one thing he wanted to talk about was the solar living, the solar ethics, the solar giving. Because he, he, he found that in the human community to put into the emptiness. Not look in the emptiness for something to tell us what to do, but to put what we've got already to everyone. And he, he, he emphasized that. He has been vilified and insulted and excluded. There are... There are uh, People right now in charge of, of, of programs at, at Cambridge that will not allow a doctorate to be done on the works of Don Cupid because they are not uh, uh, academic enough, because it doesn't match what the college wants. And he's, 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 he's still exploring, but when you, when you stand out there and say, let's face the, the sea of faith retreating, and let's find our identity and our belonging and our, our impact, our influence within life itself is a very freeing, very scary thing. Because you're not sitting on, well, because they told us, and this book says, it's, it's right. so what I wanted to do now uh, was take us to, to the songs we sing here, and I wanted to put them together. So I've asked Babette and, and, and Donna to sit near the front here to help us sing them. And I want to 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 just use those three themes uh, an identity of self and 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 belonging and influence but as i said before not just yeah 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 not just yes i know that i do that so fast yes i know that i see a nice statement on the web a nice phrase yeah that that's good that's good but, okay what change does it make in me what 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 change does it make in me that's when it's useful so the the yes, thank you for that. So um, I'm going to go to the piano, and a mic. I have a mic. So the first the first idea is identity of self. In the first message four weeks ago, um, we talked about labels that exclude people, and naming that excludes people, that prejudice. Um, uh, gives people a lower identity or a higher identity, and then that idea of autonomy to say, "I'll I'll say who I am. I'll say what I am," and the dignity of living on the web that that gives us. So, so the next slide is, whatever else I am, at the core, the foundation, I'm a human being alive on the amazing interconnected web of life. So, in this next group of songs, if we could. You're welcome to not, but if you want to do, if you want to focus, look, yeah. And then, as, as that verse told us a long time ago, to contemplate or consider. 
And then if something says, yeah, that's, that's what I am. That's amazing. You celebrate that. Or you think, oh, I, I haven't been living that in that truth, so I'll challenge myself. That's how you work with a piece of wisdom. You either celebrate, because you could, or you do both. You can celebrate. So I will look at you, and if you're smiling, I know you're celebrating. And if you're frowning, I know you're challenging yourself to take that truth a little more into your life. So we'll just be singing the songs. Again, if you're a visitor, I'm sorry. These are songs familiar to, to many. And even if you've been here, but not that Sunday, you don't know this song, then, then take the words, because that's really what we're doing with that song. sense of connection. I work with some people who have lost such sense of connection with the human community because of an enormous amount of things. But that idea of belonging, the next slide, it either is something we can be inclusive, but where does that boundary stop? Do you have a boundary that needs a little pushing because you're excluding some type of something, some person, some group, some some piece of life, some Amazon forest, which doesn't belong in your head anymore, doesn't matter, so we push it to where it does. Um, and then uh, people that have been rejected from belonging. I couldn't tell you how many people I've worked with that haven't felt they belonged in their own family or their own group or their whatever. And so that sense of belonging and to embrace that. So the next slide is, whatever other group I'm part of, I belong to the web of life along with everyone and everything else. Big family. So again, when we sing these next songs, the next slide, just that idea of focus to contemplate and consider, and then to celebrate or to challenge. May I be a friend to the earth, flower of the country, dwellers of the field and forest, the air, the sky, the sea, and may I be a friend to Thank you. 
And thirdly, influence. So our identity on the web, our sense of belonging to it, and our influence in it, on it. Our sense of having an impact. The next one was, uh, last week's message was about the spheres of influence. And I extended that to the spheres of care. How wide are your spheres of care? Do they need to be do they need to be broadened a bit, widened a bit? Your spheres of commitment and your spheres of engagement. I know in my life, my spheres of commitment can be very, very broad, and my spheres of engagement not so, not as broad as what I commit to. And that, that's, again, that's that challenging part. But if you've been pressing against those boundaries, then honestly celebrate that. Even as Vilma said, in the midst of the dark and the terrible, actually celebrate that you you have had a good impact on something or you have made the effort to have a good impact on something whether or not it happened whether or not the other person picked up on it so to celebrate that in your own life is extremely important for your own mental health but also to challenge yourself to say there are places i i've committed i care about i'm committed and i'm not engaged yet in that you can't engage in everything of course but if there's something you need to move that. Uh, so the next slide is, life has an impact on me. Others have an impact on me. And that can be good or bad. I have an impact on the world. Good or bad. I have an impact on others. Good or bad. Whatever I do or don't do matters on the web of life. And Babette's going to sing a song, and during that song, that's that's what again we're doing is to focus on what it's saying, and then contemplate, think think deeply about that. Give it a moment. I don't mean because it's a song I wrote. I just mean that the thought, and then is there something to celebrate about what your life and others that you know, and is there something to challenge all all the time? That balance. It will not 
just blossom and grow. It will not appear in a magical way, or from wishing it was so.
I love hearing you say it's a privilege. Um, that, that we try to mean these things together is, is everything. Whether you sing well or I don't. Whether you sing well or not, that, that we, together we strive for these. So living on the web of life affirms a sense of identity, a sense of belonging, a sense of having an impact. And that is something for good mental health, which we've been talking about for this month, is so important to celebrate every part of you that's in tune with that and challenge yourself for the parts that need tuning. And that's the growing part. And if you need some growing, please let me know because it would make me feel so much better because I do. And, and that's the together part. So I'm just going to... Um, I'm just going to play the, uh, I can't remember what I'm going to play. <laughs> um, I'm so, I, mean, I know what it is. Okay. Um, yes, that's what we'll end with. Um, so uh, I, I don't do a, a stand-up because I have to sit down and play. But uh, if we could stand together and go out, I hope, with a little firmer sense of our identity on the web of life, our belonging to it, by right of being born uh, and, and our sense of influence on it, then that would be a very good date spent together. from West Hill United Church, located in Scarborough, Ontario, Canada. These podcasts are made possible by the generous support of our listeners, volunteers, and members of our community. To donate, go to our website, www.westhill.net, and click on the Canada Helps button, or go to www.westhill.net forward slash donate.